As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I cannot watch the dinosaur movie because it's so scary. And there's these big monsters with teeth, and they come crashing through the jungle, and they grab the people. The people are screaming, "No, please don't eat me!" Well, it's a brand new day at Shoe the Dough. Uh, this is the second live show we've done this week, Danae. How did that happen? Because of our supporters. <laughs> Welcome to the very first edition of Sift Pop. Every Friday we'll go live now because uh, our supporters of Patreon demanded it through their gifts. They demanded it. And uh, we'll go live and talk pop culture <laughs> as we head into the weekend. I think that's a good time with new movies coming out and that kind of stuff. So this also means that this is going to launch a brand new Shoot the Dough production. We are actually going to be releasing Sift Pop as its very own podcast feed. Mm-hmm. So you can always stay right in the Shoe the Dough podcast feed like you already are. Yeah, it'll pop up there as well. But if you really love the Sift Pop one and you want to have that one specific, you can search for Sift Pop in iTunes. It'll take just a little bit for it to populate, but we're working on that, so that's exciting. We're excited about all the new ways to interact with the show. Um, you know, we should tell people our phone number. We won't be able to answer live during this show. But in the future, we're actually planning on being able to yeah. take some calls well, for and, particular and, segments. And you can leave a message if you have a thought on something at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, the phone number is one eight four four dna that's Danae and Aaron, DNA Show. So if you dial DNA show. DNA show, if you dial that uh, number, you'll be able to leave a message for us. And hopefully soon we'll be able to take calls during the shows. We are live. If you want to interact live, the best way to do that is probably to comment at Mixler or to tweet us. We'll probably see either of those. Yeah, because we've got our tweeters open. Uh, at Aaron and Danae on Twitter or at Aaron Dicer or at Danae Says. And uh, also you can, of course, go to the Mixler app and chat right there in the app and we'll see it as we do the live show. We love doing the live or later thing where we're live with you and can interact with you during the show. And then you can also subscribe on podcast and be able to hear it at your convenience whenever is right for you. And while we're talking about our podcast feed, just real quick before we start to get into the show and introduce our guest today, um, if you will subscribe at iTunes, if you will rate and comment and subscribe in iTunes, that would be extremely helpful to see some uh, comments there. It kind of lets iTunes know that we have an active um, population, which they would know if it was linked to Mixler, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> Maybe in the future. 
or on Stitcher for people who use Android and prefer like a Stitcher type mm-hmm. model. There's tons of podcast models, but those are kind of the two main ones. Yeah. If you'll rate and like and comment and subscribe and all that good stuff. However you interact with the show, we love it. We love the community that's kind of building. So thanks for, we appreciate thanks for tuning you. in. And uh, nice to see people in the chat today, seeing as usually it's Tuesday. Yeah. And we've kind of been building that Tuesday audience to see a couple people in the Friday chat. It's kind of cool. We've had a couple massive audiences on our Tuesday show. For us. Guys. <laughs> Not in the millions. It's all relative. <laughs> we did. The last few Tuesday Wait, shows. massive we... for you is millions? Well, yes. That, I mean, that's that's like breaking the internet worthy. Are you saying millions isn't massive? Technically, yes. Okay. All right. Just as long as we're on the same page. <laughs> are you ready to shoo a dough? I am ready to shoo a dough. We are excited to introduce to you Sift Pop, where we talk pop culture. Sift Pop is hosted by The Critic, The Geek, and The Girl. The Critic is Aaron. He is a movie critic. You can find information on him. I've at got my own badge and everything. Yourmoviefriend.com. <laughs> he also does like 60-second movie reviews for radio stations across the country. I am the girl because that's how God made me. <laughs> And joining us as our guest geek today, we'll have some rotating geeks uh, throughout this this podcast, but uh, we've got Josh Childs from the Nether Region with us. Ooh, hello, hello, hello. And I am just as God made me as well. (laughs) Super handsome and smart, and I could go on. So where are you joining us from? Like, You live in Tennessee, right? I do. Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Uh, Music City, USA. Very nice. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the nether region. Do a little pump here at the beginning. Um, right on. Um, wow. wow. No, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry. Hold on. I'm sorry, hold hold on. on. <laughs> Leave that in context. Well, yep. That Josh, sound tell us about your YouTube channel that is entitled The Nether Region. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Aaron, for clarifying. <laughs> um, yes, clarification. Although, with a name like The Nether Region, that's not the first time there's been a, you know a little accidental innuendo. Um, we are a sci-fi fantasy sketch comedy channel. Um, we have not uh, had any new material up for uh, a couple of months because our focuses are on something top secret right now. Ooh. But um, ooh, right. But um, we still have a presence on Twitter, and we we still have a presence on YouTube. It's just not as um, uh, uh, frequent as it has been in the past. Don't feel bad um, about that. So, no. uh, Don't feel bad. Yeah, so just, you know, keep an eye on us. We're still around. We're still doing stuff. Um, we got some great stuff on the horizon. I do want to take like 10 seconds and talk about one other thing too, if I can. Yeah. All right. It's called The Jeff Durham Show. It is a, uh, a series that I'm a part of. And um, we, we just put up our, our fourth episode and we're com- completing our first season. And it is also on YouTube. Um, and it has a Twitter presence, but um, it's the Jeff Durham show. It is 100% improv. It is a half-hour TV show shot in real time, and it is a blast. So uh, What's check it the out, Twitter? Jeff Durham. Just Jeff. The, uh, uh, at the, at Jeff Durham show. Okay, good. Yeah. I think that's what I just and, found. Gotcha. And then the and then of course, like I said, the YouTube is uh, the Jeff Durham show and Facebook, all that jazz. I meant but, to- um I meant to tell you, Josh, because um, I know you had kind of let me in when you guys were originally kind of shooting these and getting a feel for what it could be in the improv and how it worked and everything, and I enjoyed those. I recently went back and watched the edit of the first episode that you guys did that's uh-huh. up on YouTube. It's so good. Like it's oh, even thanks. Yeah, like the original I enjoyed. I'm like, wow, this is this is even better. Like you just tightened it up, and it feels like a, a really fun kind of a Christopher Guesty kind of you know improv show kind of thing. That's definitely what we are going for, and it's um, 
um, I think we got better with each uh, with each episode. You know, like I said, there's four up, and we're uh, we're kind of chomping at the bit to to do some more now that we've we learned something new with each one, and we're like, okay, now like. It's just getting better and better and more fun, more fun. So. Yeah, and if you're wondering who Josh is in the Jeff Durham show, he's uh, the camera operator. He's named Josh. Named Josh. So it's he's pretty easy. The, he's the one that God created handsome. Remember, we, oh, just, yes. we just talked about yes, that. That's true. <laughs> uh, that's well, right. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. No, no, no. Yeah. That's good to hear, man. I'm, I'm glad you're getting a chance to do that stuff. Um, well, let's get into talking about Jurassic World. That's kind of the, the heartbeat of this first episode. We love to do these movie reviews. Now, Danae has not seen the movie, so she'll come at it more of a curious kind of, you know, asking us questions if she has questions as we... Um, kind of go through it. But Josh, you got a chance to see it last night as well? Yeah. I thought it was a lot like the Jeff Durham show. <laughs> Just kidding. Equally amazing. Um, I, I did. Um, I, I thought, I mean, in a word, we can t- we'll obviously talk more, but in a word, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I liked it a little more than fine. I had a really good time with it. But for me, it wasn't so much that it was you know, done perfectly, it just felt like a like a good Jurassic Park movie. You know, like it knew what it was. You and... mean a movie that has a park with dinosaurs in it? Uh, yes. And people yes. are being hunted? I do okay, mean that. just but, wanted to make sure. <laughs> but I also mean, I think my overall feeling was that it's a movie you come away from going, yes, I remember that world and I wanted to revisit it. I wasn't even aware how much I wanted to revisit it until I started watching it and the music kicks in and it just feels like, yeah, I want to be back here every once in a while. This is a, a fun little idea, you know, to kind of visit. Yeah. And I thought I sure. thought they did a, a really good job with it. I have one question straight off because, and I hope it's not too much. It doesn't have to be a spoiler, but I did watch the trailers. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm pretty, you know, knowledgeable. That's all you need these days. There's this one giganto dinosaur, like they're hanging like another creature and it jumps up out of the water. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Okay. So in my head, every time I see that, I'm like, that is too big for that little pool. <laughs> <laughs> did did they explain how that, like, is it uh, is it the type of dinosaur that has a big head and a little bitty body or? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Just... It's like a cartoon. <laughs> it's like a character of a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> And they just genetically made it to where it was really intimidating when it eats something, but and also somehow, fits in a pool. Somehow, with that tiny little skinny spermazoid-shaped body, yeah. it manages to launch itself out of the water. Yeah. No, no, no. It's actually a giant being that is probably way too big for its pool. And no, they don't explain it. <laughs> okay, there's okay. no, There's not a lot of explaining in this movie, and, I, and I'm kind of glad for that. You know, in some yeah. ways, I think movies try to over-explain things sometimes, and it's okay to leave some of that stuff just, you know in your imagination if they wanted to explain it they probably could figure out a way to justify it but because they're mad scientists right but they don't they don't necessarily need to did you find a lot we'll kind of go into that because i think there's a good thing that happens with movies uh like this that we can discuss which is that you know suspension of disbelief did you find yourself distracted by asking how does that work why does that happen well how was that for for you josh did you have to suspend a lot of disbelief did you find yourself distracted by different things um, no, I actually, the, all of, I bought into the whole world and I, and I, I was in on that, even the new dinosaur, all the crazy things it can do. Um, you know, I, I bought into all that. I, you know, I, my, my issues were, well, I, I'll talk about my issues later, but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't come out of that world at all. I, I was in the world with all the science stuff. I got out of the world a little bit with, 
you know, them crawling out of the water and then saying, hey, do you still have those matches? And the matches <laughs> still working, you know, <laughs> so stuff like that. I was like, well, you know, I, I get how, you know, in this world we've created new creatures, but did, did somebody create, you know, matches <laughs> to light underwater or, you know, but that's not even my, that wasn't my major issue with it, but I, I didn't get a strike. What about you? I, I think there were a few moments where the technology especially seemed to either conveniently be so amazing that, you know, that it fit the plot perfectly or uh, so faulty, so faulty that it fit the plot perfectly. A lot of kind of technology <laughs> convenience like yes, where sure, yes. where they needed technology to like benefit them. Like the hamster them. ball? What? Oh, yes, sure. The gyro ball or whatever that they yeah. were in. I mean, who would put a hamster ball in with the dinosaurs? <laughs> who is in charge of this thing? It becomes a, a big prehistoric, you know, game of foosball at that point, yes. which is... Well, well Aaron, part of the reason I kind of let that stuff go a little bit is the bigger stuff is because it was already 200 and, or two hours and three minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, you know, like you said, like they probably could have gone a little more in depth into some of that stuff, but that would have been a really long <laughs> movie. No, no, you're absolutely right. And that's what I mean by saying you give it a lot of grace, right? Because yeah, yeah. It, you know what the movie's trying to do, and it's not trying to be a scientific treatise on technology. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it is trying to be a dinosaur eats humans kind of movie with or a little bit of... Dinosaur. Yeah, with a little bit of, you know, scientific morality play. You know, there's some morality play in there for sure. But yeah. at the same time, it you know, they're not trying to explain everything. But yes, there are those moments where you're like, so a dinosaur can distinctly tell somebody by, you know, smell, but gets confused by a hologram. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Holograms are in or, or Or, you know, teaming up in the wild to you know to uh, making alliances with other predators and yeah you know, there's a, yeah it's a lot to it's a lot so but can I, did, go ahead. did they try to and I, I don't i don't know that this will give anything away i don't think it will but did they try to link this into like some way connect it to the previous movies movie like so you know main jurassic they leave the island and there are still dinosaurs there, and they're gonna like live on their own. That's kind of where most people generally left the yeah. Jurassic Park. You don't think a lot of people remember the Lost World, even? I don't know. I know a lot of people don't remember Jurassic Three. No. Yeah. So I'm they, did they go back this, and kind of hit on it a little bit, or they talked about the first everything? They ignored the second two. Okay, that's what I wanted. Now they did. They didn't say if they if they happened or not. They just ignored them completely and only played off of the first movie. Is it like super far in the future? Yes. Okay, like how super far? Like a uh, few decades. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, to where... at least twenty years. I know they mentioned the term twenty years. Like the park's been open twenty years, right? Don't they mention that a few times? Yeah, but that's real life too, right? The movie came out in 90... 93. 93, So twenty two so... years ago. Yeah. But it's far enough in the future where, like, the little kid that got zapped off of the electric fence doesn't make, like, a cameo, right? Correct. Okay. No, the- only only character that returns is the scientist from the first one. Uh, the D.B. Wong was the, was the actor. Um, I don't remember the character. Is it D.B. or B.D.? I thought it was B.D. Uh, yeah, I think you're right, B.D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he's the only – and they referenced John Hammond. Um, oh, certainly. 
And that's like that's it though, right? It, that, those are only two. Well, there characters. are other there are other technology cameos, like you know yes, there there yes. are other cameos of equipment and different things from the original park, which was another one of those unbelievable things where it's like they make this entire new high tech park and they don't tear down the old stuff, you know, yeah. like it's just sitting there in the jungle somewhere. Like yeah. they didn't need that space for something, you know. It's just gonna. <laughs> One of those things, but yeah, so you do see some of the old Jurassic Park stuff. But... Did the arm that helped to hatch the raptor eggs make a reappearance? Because <laughs> that was my favorite tech piece from the original movie. Uh, oh my no, goodness. But the cartoon DNA character did. did. It? Yes, he did. Yay. Yes. Oh, that's kind of cool. So it is very nostalgic. What does it say about you today that your favorite tech piece of the original Jurassic Park is the hatching arm? Like, how does that happen? <laughs> okay, here's something odd. <laughs> Also, one of my favorite tech pieces from Iron Man was his little arm buddy that helps him build all of the. I'm like, what is it is about that, this? Is I that don't how know. it's listed in the credits? Arm Iron buddy. Man's arm buddy. <laughs> <laughs> right next to the key grip. Right next to the yep. puppeteer. Josh, yep. you had something on your mind before I uh, mentioned. Did you do you remember <clears throat> what you're gonna say? Um, well, I so my my biggest. So I, I bought into like a, I said, uh, all of that stuff with the movie, and I thought it did a lot of things right, um, and we could talk about those in a second too. But what I the, the main thing that stuck out that bothered me about the movie is um, the action was so so incomplete compared to not even just Spielberg's first two, but even like even Jurassic Three. Which I watched again before I watched this, just so I would have because that was my goal. It's like if this is bad, at least as good as Jurassic Three, it's still going to be a fun movie, you know. It's mm-hmm. not going to be. As, and right. and the truth is, like those the Spielbergian uh, Rube Goldberg action sequences that he had in those first two movies that were so spectacular. You know, uh, Rube Goldberg is the is a broad term, right? But, you know, no, I know, like the tree, the like the tree escape. The tree. Yeah, the tree yeah, escape. Or, in the second one, the, the 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 trailer hanging off the cliff, and the guys trying to save their lives while they're trying to get out, and it slides. You know, it's just one thing affects another, affects another. And even in the third movie, they had some of that. There's a couple of sequences in there. And I was like, oh, that's good. And it's Joe Johnson who did, you know, Captain America, so he he knew what he was doing back then. But he was obviously like going, okay, this is the type of act should people expect from a, um, a Jurassic Park movie. So let's do that stuff too. Where it was a type of thing where the actors or the characters are, are faced with a choice. Do we do A or B? Quick, 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 we choose B. Okay, now do you do C or D? Quick, 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 okay, D. Now do we do E or F? And in this movie, I felt like it was, all right, do we do A or B? B, phew. Uh. <laughs> do we do A or B? B, phew. Like, it, was just, it was just a bunch of little molehills that through the whole movie is how I felt. Like, That's sad. And you're right. And, and I did not think about that, but you're absolutely right. That does impact the way the intensity builds, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so you come away from the scares in this one or the, you know, situations not having that progressive buildup of the escape. It's it's over really quickly. Yeah. Well, and so and easily, too. Like, they, they set up the tension for just a sitting build set up tension, really. The you know there, I don't want to spoil, but there's a, a there's a scene where Velociraptors are are chasing a car and the back of the car is open and the two kids are in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're scared for like a second, and then they're like, "Oh, there's zappers!" And <laughs> so they find little cattle prods, and the, and so when the thing jumps in, they zap it with the cattle prod, and then it falls off again, and that's it. 
Yeah. It's like there was no like build up or like, what are we going to do? He's in here with us. Quick, grab a cattle prod. It was like, we got a cattle prod. So now you, we got to wait for him. Do you wish that they would have maybe slowed down or re- completely removed other elements of the movie so that you didn't lose that build and that tension? Because it sounds like, since I haven't seen it, it sounds like they tried to do so much in this film and pack it all in that they may have like compromise some of what makes a movie like this so good because that tension build, you know, when, cause I, my reference is the first Jurassic park, you know, when there's like the, the uh, dino is close and it breathes on the screen and, you know, it's like cutting over to the person's face and they're just like in such panic. And like, you're really allowed to sink into that moment. And if the whole thing is just this, quick succession of stuff, 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 and you can't no, really get into it. No, I don't think that's what he's saying, and I didn't feel that from the movie. In fact, those moments like you're talking about, I think those are still there. I think There's they, still some of that. Yeah. 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 In the, you're allowed to linger in those moments a little bit where, I mean, there's one specific moment in a garage with the, Enough with the new of dino. The spoilers, you well, guys. Well, no, 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 no. no. I'm, I'm not going to spoil none of this what anymore. Happens. But, but you, there's so many, so you're okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> there's like a 50 of them. Um but, you know, it is really tense. But I think what Josh is saying and what I agree with is that the movie moves on from – it's not that they happen quickly. It's that there's not a progression to how they resolve. The resolution is is almost instant. You know, it's just oh, okay. a cho- one choice and it's resolved. God. Kind of Spielberg, Spielberg didn't just um, depend on the dinosaurs to be the spectacle of the first movie. They were a spectacle, but he also – like these these elegant – handcrafted action sequences were 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 spectacle too and they you know these tent poles and in this one like all of the spectacle was the dinosaur it was all yeah. that and he did there was no spectacle of of the action sequences it still moved fast and like i said it, it wasn't a bad movie i mean it, it's a, right. it was a solid monster movie it just so here, in the jurassic park world it was like here's a question I, I maybe this is this is this is might be too deep i'm not sure because I don't know how filmmaking works. Before you ask this question, I did want to let uh, Josh know because he's probably not tuned in the chat. Our our uh, our chat has done some research for you, Josh, uh-huh. and uh, waterproof matches do exist, and so they have they have sewn up that plot hole. So <laughs> thank you, they, chatters. They are a thing. <laughs> so I guess my question is, why did that kid have waterproof matches? Because <laughs> he's of... just that prepared <laughs> for regular matches. Was he autistic on some level too? I got that feel from the character. I just jumped ahead. Sorry. Did no, no, you're, 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 you're fine. I didn't think so. I didn't. I didn't get that feel. I got the feel that he was a kid dealing with, you know, family issues and. But he so. knew fat. Like he would every time he saw a he like he would sh- sh- uh, spout off the the statistics of a dinosaur stuff. Yeah. But then it went, it went from dinosaur to like just life. He was doing it. On, I don't remember now what it was. But didn't the was, kid in the original do that too? I mean, isn't that kind of the thing? Kids go see dinosaurs because they know every single thing about them. And like yeah. he's a super fan. Yeah, like he's just a yeah. super fan of the park, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I didn't I didn't ne- not, um, necessarily catch autism, but I can see how how that might be something you might think. Danae, what were you going to ask? Sorry. Oh, it's okay. So, okay, I'm thinking about filmmaking in general and how, like, CG has affected filmmaking. That's kind of, like, the launching point. So my thought is, you know, now we're saying Jurassic World is the spectacle is the dinosaur. And before, that wasn't necessarily the spectacle. They relied on all of the parts of making a film, that each part has to be a kind of its own spectacle. I'm wondering if, because CG is so 
much more advanced now and you can depend on it to be a spectacle if they were just like we could put all of that into this and ease up on other things because we know we're going to nail these dinos you know the dinosaurs are going to look amazing they're going to be awesome because they did they looked really good whereas like before you had like these animatronic you know creatures that once you get into the editing room it might look super lame (laughs) <laughs> so they can't rely on it because, you know, what if George's hand was sticking out of, you know, part of it or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe they, they, they knew they couldn't rely on the animatronics That's, also, that's also in the credits. George's hand. That's right. George's next to hand. Iron Man's <laughs> hand buddy, arm buddy. They are very so, specific though. Not the rest of George. Just, just the hand. hand. That's, that's what I was thinking about is I'm just wondering if that has affected filmmaking. I think so. Like become a crutch in a way. Like the CG is kind of becoming a crutch. I think it's absolutely possible. Although they used a lot of practical effects in this, didn't they, Josh? I I seem to, at least it felt like there were, you know, animatronic dinosaurs in this one too. I think, I think, I'm not positive. I I thought I read something that there was only one, one sequence. Like one puppet or whatever. And I think it's, and I think it's whenever they're up close and he's got his hand on it. Yeah. It's got to be that brontosaurus sequence, I think. That, yeah, that seemed to that, have I, to have been practical. Brontosaurus yeah, aren't real guys. <laughs> what? What? Um, but I. But I, but again, going back and watching the other ones as a build up to this, you know, reading or watching the special features and stuff on the the original, the the seamless melding between animatronics, puppets, people in costumes, and the CG, it's it's even now a lot of it's really seamless. It's hard to tell. Um, unless, unless, you know, you watch the, the special features and then right. go back, watch it and you're like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. Um, because again, and this goes to Spielberg, he was just so good at cloaking that when they had the animatronic one, that's the reason he was like, we need this scene to be in the rain when they're stuck in the car, because that's going to help cloak Right. when that dinosaur is looking through the window. It's a rainy window. It's going to, it's going to save us a bit, big- you know? You know, meaty leg comes down and his claws and it digs into the mud. Oh, it's so scary. <laughs> yeah, right. And that was that was big puppet leg. I mean, a big that was a big ice. puppet leg. <laughs> I miss. I'll be honest. I missed more of that. Um, I did, but not just for this movie. Just in in general, I I miss it. And I don't know if it's nostalgia or if it's or if I really. You know what I mean? I, I, no, I think I think a lot of it is nostalgia. I I really think if you use computer graphics well, then you can you can make a good movie, if not a better movie than practical effects. But unfortunately, they're not always used very well. But there is still a place for real stuff on screen. And I think I read that the new the J.J. Abrams Star Wars yes. is using a lot of practical effects, and that, yeah, that's that made what I me heard. that made me happy too. So I'm I'm with you, but I do think for me at least it's nostalgia, like you know seeing actual toy ships blow up and that kind of stuff, as sure. opposed to CG. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so let's talk about the effects. I mentioned I thought they were pretty good. Josh, what did you think? Did you think they they did their job? Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought they were good. I I got nervous in the in the very opening thing when uh, they were nodding back to the original. By you know, you see the egg hatching. Yeah, and that bothered me because I was like, that looked that was probably the worst effect in the movie. Yes. Um, and so I got nervous, but then the rest of it I thought was really was really solid. 
One thing uh, computer graphics uh, can't quite do yet is to um, capture a human performance perfectly. So let's talk about the human actors. Oh, oh can I interject something really, really quick, yeah, though? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you are a part of this show. I came across the – yeah, but I didn't see the movie. I came, <laughs> I came across this um, video, an article in my feed about how they're making these massive breakthroughs on – um, being able to do CGI for human expression because they have um, been studying how the skin moves. They basically attached all these cameras onto this device and they had it like on people's foreheads and the machine would squeeze you know, their forehead skin together and then pull it apart um, and then like measure it all. And all ba- it's very, it's fascinating stuff. And then they took that algorithm and they applied it to how the light affects it when it's squeezed together and how all the different elements are there. And then they, you know, mass produce that for facial expression in CG. I wonder if it started as like a, like an acne solution, you know, and (laughs) then they just just found another use for it. No, no. no, Okay. No, but uh, I will, I should post that because it's really, I think you guys would find it really interesting because it is a, it's a huge breakthrough for, Making humans, you know, expression, and then how the light come interacts out of with the our skin, uh, look uncanny more. valley, as they call it, where it looks too real or and, too yeah. Yeah, it looks so real that it might be real, but just not real enough that you believe it. And it so was it's, a little creepy. Here, yeah. Forewarning. Yeah. Forewarning. When they get to the section of this particular video where they're showing how they've applied it to a couple of CG faces, they don't have eyeballs in the CG faces. <laughs> So it's just these dark. Danae's like, could you please finish the face? I actually commented on it. I commented on the article. I was like, why do you not have any eyes? Like it was really threw me off. But anyhow, I'll share that because it's so that maybe we'll be helping movies in the future. Carry on. No, no, no. I just kind of wanted to go into the acting. We can start. We can start with Chris Pratt. I mean, he's kind of Hollywood's golden boy right now. Um, and I was thoroughly impressed. Uh, I thought it was a different performance than Guardians. I felt like he, you know, was a different character that he, you know, actually acted and embodied that character well. And I believed it. Like I believed that he was that guy. How did you feel, Josh? Uh, yeah, I would say for the most part, I agree. I thought, I thought he, he, for a character who's generally the, the same archetype, generally you know mm-hmm. what i mean not yeah, yeah. not as yeah, yeah. not as not as whatever but um so I, I i bought it i liked him there was a couple times when it looked to me like he was um hero mugging a little bit yes and and i and it's and i did but, but only because i've seen him do so much comedy it was hard for me to take it serious because i'm like oh interesting is yeah, he yeah. really like this or is he do like it's almost like what he would do if he was making a character of like a funny character of somebody serious mm-hmm so that's it. But I but I love the guy anyway, and he's super charming. And you know, um, I, I think all I think all the actors did is as as good as they could do with what they were given. And not to say that it was a bad script or anything. It's just it was a script that was not about act actors. Um, I do feel like Vincent D'Onofrio might as well have had a pencil thin mustache to twirl <laughs> when, the way they wrote that character. That's who I was going to identify as the one the one character that I just found to be a little too over the top. Yeah, and I don't think it's his fault. You know, I think he's a really good actor, and he did it. He channeled a little Brian Dennehy in this, which I liked. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. But but the like overall, it's like would somebody really take that much joy in <laughs> the carnage of human beings? 
Yeah. I think somebody would. <laughs> I don't think anybody would. Hey, somebody who is is heading up the industrial military complex, man. They that's that's just that's what they love, you know. And they love love that human carnage. I do I do think um my some of my favorite stuff was in the control room. Um with uh with uh, Jake um oh shoot, what's his name? Jake Johnson from New Girl. Jake Johnson and and the the girl that's with him. Um yeah, I don't remember her don't name, know, but yeah. Looking at it right now. But Jake Johnson, like that's the best thing that this director could have done is met uh, Colin uh, Trevorrow or whatever, uh, you know, met him and worked with him on um Safety Not Guaranteed and I think that's the best choice this guy made for this movie was bringing Jake along. <laughs> he was be, great. To be his comic relief. Like yeah. he was a blast. He really was. Yeah, and and he played it so well and I just he was I thought that was one part of the movie that really worked well too was the humor. I thought the humor in the movie um, worked really well. I wanted to talk a little bit more about Chris Pratt's character because there's sure. something I really loved about it. You remember in the original, I should say even the books, um, because I first read Jurassic Park as a book before I saw the original movie. Yeah, there's a here. there's a character in the book and it's in the first movie and I'm having trouble remembering his name, but in the movie, he was like in control, man. He knew the dinosaurs. He was Muldoon. Yeah. Muldoon. And I'm like, Oh, and then I watched the movie and he like went out so wimpy and in so bad and so quick. And I was like, Oh, I needed Muldoon. I felt like Chris Pratt's character was like a modern Muldoon in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Well, they let, it's like letting Muldoon be the lead instead of, the muscle or both right right um so yeah i i no, i, I agree with that um and uh, if i'm not correct like, mistaken didn't muldoon live in the book and they killed him in the movie yeah it was something like that it was like because he was that... he was the guy that was going to survive anything like he was the survivalist and in the movie it was just like eh, no you know he's get, yeah. he gets to say clever girl and then he goes away yeah then he disappeared <laughs> like I, I remember being really let down by that too i was like you're the one person who knows better that's it's right. Not look to your left. <laughs> yeah, By the exactly. Way, quick, I want to say Lauren Lapkus. She's the girl that was in the, yes. the control room with Jake. And I, I just want to mention her name because she was really, I thought they worked really well together. And they have a moment near the end that I just think is perfect. Yes. And I just, yeah, I really loved that that control room dynamic. I thought that was really good. Yeah. They did a good job. Other um, actors, any other st- Bryce Dallas Howard. How did you feel about her as the female lead? Uh, I, I liked her. I thought she, I thought she uh, was solid. Um, they turned the you know they tried to turn the female in distress thing on its head like a, you know modern movies are doing more of now. You know we're giving the female character a lot more control of her outcome, that kind of thing. I yeah. like Josh Child's video that he the, his movie that he did and the female character. That was like, <laughs> speaking region. of yeah on the on the that was really shooting really from the good. hip shooting from the hip yes. yeah do a search do a search for on YouTube for another region shoot yes, from the hip it is from, just from the hip it's just, just from called the from hip. the hip okay yeah oh my goodness that was so good because it's like the perfect depiction of so many different like you know classic things but one of them is how the female is usually so you know, she, ignored she does this. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard through the whole movie, but she does it all in heels. And I, I oh, I don't like that. That <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't know. It feels like it was on purpose. They even make reference to it, like you need to change out of those shoes. And then she makes a point to not ever change out of her shoes. And she's running through the jungle, doing all stuff in heels the whole no. time. I think Danae no. hates this movie now. The look on her face is <laughs> no. just like 
it's one of like I love uh, Castle, for example. You know, like some fun TV shows where I really like the female lead. They're just you know feisty and kind of a fun new take on you know female lead. But anytime that it scans down to their shoe wear and they're wearing like five inch stilettos or something like that, <laughs> it makes me crazy because I'm like, you cannot function properly in shoes that way. There is yeah. no way that you're going to go fight crime in those shoes. Period. But isn't that, but isn't that the, I don't know. That kind of goes into the action movie context, right? Where you do these amazing things in situations that you would never be able to do them in. What size shoe uh, are you wearing? No, listen. Um, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis walks barefoot through glass in Die Hard. True. You, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's part. He of was the... in shock. <laughs> there is a difference between being in I shock. I think she was too. No, I think I she's think in shock. A, I think that I. Th- think it's something that was probably like even in the character description whenever they were pitching the movie she's the she's she's a take no crap leader of the head of the company da, 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 da. she does all this and she never loses her high heels like you know what i mean like it's like a a very broad like character element or whatever I mean, maybe, like what they're trying to... maybe there is a group of women and they're and they're truly think that if you're like the leader, the CEO, and you can wear high heels. Like that's some sort of status. Mm-hmm. Like you have arrived. I am not part of that club. I will never fit into that club. <laughs> I don't look at. It, I don't. I've never looked at a woman on TV or film and been like, and she did it in high heels. My hero. <laughs> you know, I, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm the odd duck out. I don't know, but I promise you, as a woman who has worn ridiculous high heels before. <laughs> Not only are they completely inadequate for almost every situation, but add on any kind of a lawn, so like jungle, for example, they're useless. <laughs> they are useless. There's one particular movie I remember thinking that yeah, was smart. Um, wh- Does she use it as a weapon? Oh, that's happened. This is a, oh, she's in the jungle. Michael Douglas, maybe. A Romancing the, the stone. stone. When she takes off her shoes, I'm like, thank you. That makes sense. You should do <laughs> well, he that. He chops off the heels off of her shoes, right? Yeah, he chops yeah. them off. Because one of them breaks. And she's like, yeah. chop, chop, chopping away anyway. So I'm glad you guys brought that up. I'll, I'll prepare <laughs> myself. Okay, I did also want to say this. If I'm ever in high heels and there is some sort of a dinosaur attack and I'm in a jungle, yeah, I'm going to run. But I'm probably going to take off my shoes. Better grip. You get a better grip. I'm just saying. Sure. You'll just hold a finger up to the dinosaur. Can you hold on just a second? No, I'm just I gotta running. get They're, out of these shoes. They will fly off. They will <laughs> fly off. <laughs> or I can take them off and use them as projectile. That's there what I should go. practice. There you go. That'll that'll <laughs> that'll stop the um, omdipedonomosaurus or whatever the new dinosaur was called. Indominus. Indominus Rex. Indominus. Indominus. Uh. So. We mentioned a few things we didn't like. Do you have any other lingering kind of things that about the movie that kind of brought it down a notch for you? Um, that brought it down. Um, um, I, I, I didn't. Uh, the the climax was wasted on me. Me too. That. that was mine. The ending. I really didn't like the ending. Yeah, and that was, was unfortunate. Great. great. Um, and I think for me, I, no, I'll let you finish. Sorry, I. You, Go ahead. No, that's that's it. I don't know how much we can say without spoiling. You know what I mean? But I, I've, I've never like I think we talked about this in, about Age of Ultron. Even I seeing superpowers collide 
is 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 a little boring to me anyway. But when it's superpowers that I don't care about, neither one of them. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. All right, and and there was not enough of. I guess this is a spoiler a little bit, but there wasn't enough danger for everybody else involved. They were just spectators, not a part of the fray. So it was like, well, why why do we care anymore? Like, yes, exactly. I, I don't care, you know. And, so and ironically, pretty much the same ending as the first movie. Like, yes, you know <laughs> what I mean. True. Like it's it's pretty much exactly the same, you know. Yep. So yeah. Uh, that kind of bothered me. I was like, "Can you think of a you know a different climax? I can think of a different ending. I haven't seen it at all." Here we go. Danae ends Jurassic World by Danae Hughes. All right. So Indominus Rex is um defeated. Okay. And millions are fed. (laughs) In some sort of homeless barbecue a thon. That's what I. That's great. That's but they're they're eating GMOs, and so they have to let them know like this is not. A real <laughs> so it's only people who like it's like non-organic. See, but then uh, that, then the next movie is this how is a new race Indominus Rex. And it's a new race of human dino hybrid is created. Those who ate Indominus Rex are then you know their 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 offspring are some sort of like genetic hybrid. So it becomes you know, some you, some sort right. of zombie slash dino movie at that point. You do bring up a really interesting point, though. Like we we have this movie where this talk, technology is completely available, and never do they talk like uh, they make a park with it instead of like, hey, let's let's see if we can feed people from the meat of animals that we can clone. You know what I mean? Not that I'm saying I want to eat cloned animals, but I'm you know I'm saying like, are we already like, eating cloned animals? I don't know. Cloned? No, I don't yeah. think Not so. Not yet. Okay, just making just, sure. <laughs> just genetically modified. Right. Um, I know we just did a story on our morning show the other day about uh, a new type of DNA splicing DNA, DNA splicer that is found naturally in bacteria and is a very accurate way you can program it and you put it in it uh, survives in any living creature and you put it in them and it actually you can program it to take certain parts of the DNA out and replace it with other DNA, parts other parts of DNA. They're basically wanting to recreate the woolly mammoth. Yeah, you could you could over time you could replace wow. DNA in an elephant to become the woolly mammoth. That As kind an of example, yeah, I think that I read terrifying. I know, right? I I think I was looking through a, a feed and it, and it said uh, quoting a scientist about recreating woolly mammoth, and the quote was, "It will be so cool." That was like the scientist's quote. <laughs> I'm okay. I we are so. going to look back fifty years from now. At the Jurassic Park movies as like documentaries, right? (laughs) So let it be known that the idea is to help feed the homeless. Let's just add that into the future. Yes, yes. (laughs) Let's help feed people, not just the homeless, but hungry people. People who have problems and don't have food. We can do our part. Yeah. Well, good. Good stuff. Anything else you wanted to bring out about the movie, uh, Josh? That stood out to you, good or bad? There, there. I did. There was one thing I did like. It felt very intentional. the the whole movie kind of talks about how dinosaurs people it's not enough they got to keep upping the ante right making it more more of a spectacle and more spectacular which is where the indominus rex even comes from that's what's the motivation for it and it's it also kind of i think it parallels the audiences right like we've seen jurassic park we saw the other movies like what are you going to do now to wow us that this technology is 20 years old you know, how can you wow us now, right? Right. So I bought all that, but what the, the flavor of that that I really loved is all of the original dinosaurs and stuff 
for the first hunk of the movie, they're all just in the background. So that it's almost the, the, the movie's taking them for granted as well as like the people watching it. So you see them out of focus in the background or you, so that they're not spectacular anymore. They're like, oh, that's a piece of scenery. Or you right. see like just the top of the Tyrannosaurus Rex's head while the crowd's all gathered around. But it's not an intense attention uh, building moment. It's just in like we can't we don't see it. You know what I mean? It's kind of uh, like in uh, like Apollo 13 where they're doing a whole show for, you know, the ground and none of the networks are carrying it. You know, it's like everybody's lost their interest now. Yeah. You know, it's like we've been doing this for 20 years now. You know, that's and- true now, though. There's I came across a NASA channel and there's like astronauts talking to people is like, what? How did I not know that this was really happening? <laughs> right, right. That's <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> That's so I real. thought that was I thought it was a really cool flavor. Like it was a really solid choice that, you know, making them not interesting or trying to make them not interesting. They still were. I still found myself trying to like squint and see, oh, I want to see the Tyrosaurus Rex again. You know what I mean? I still found myself doing that, but um but I thought I thought it was an intentional choice, and I thought it fit like it was a a creative choice that I thought was solid. Makes sense. I think the creative choices were solid like that. I also think the um, the thematic choices were still solid. Uh, you know, there's they weren't fleshed out uh, as much, obviously because the movie wasn't about that completely. Yeah. But I, you know, I I loved the family dynamic. I think it needed you know that that to keep us interested in these people and you know um the you know sister who hasn't checked in with her you know nephews and i you know i bought a lot of that i thought it it worked well for as limited as it was sure sure well and that's the sort of stuff too that i i all most of that i can say i give a thumbs up to even jurassic three um that what movie got pooped on a lot but it, its only crime was that it wasn't as good as the first two like it was still a solid monster movie and i don't know that i think this one was any better than that um oh I thought, certainly this is better than jurassic three i think it's more of a spectacle and i think it's obviously i think for everything all the resources they had to put into it if you compare like comparatively i don't know that i think it is i mean hmm. i interesting i i thought I mean, put them side by side, I, probably yes, but that one is, you know, 20 years old. Um, they didn't have the budget or the resources that this one does, and so they were still relying more on story than this one. Um, and not that it was a full-blown story, but the, you talk about family dynamics, and that one, it's great, too. It's, you know, two parents who are divorced who fake like they're together so they can trick somebody into taking them to go find their son who's lost on the island. Like, right. that's a really cool dynamic. Um I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't I wouldn't say that the uh the sister who's you know kind of inept at watching the nephews is a is a better dynamic or or worse it's just you know it's but it, I think the Jurassic 3 dynamics are just as interesting and yeah, and they be. and they had the tentpole action sequences still that I really really loved in the franchise Man you're making me want to well, go back and watch Jurassic 3 <laughs> I haven't watched it in forever now, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying it's it's not one or two. I no, to, I no I, I expect uh, I expect Citizen Kane now, Josh. I, I, mean, I have oh, to great. confess something. I only watched Jurassic Park. That's okay, Danae. I never that even watched you, two or three. That makes you normal. Oh, okay. A lot I of people. Will, I will say that you are you're left out though because, and I may be in the minority, but I think two is my favorite. Two is your favorite. Whoa! I yeah. like two. I don't think it's awful, but I wouldn't call it my favorite. I thought the the 
and I, I, I thought that more three things, more Jeff Goldblum, and I thought the temple action scenes were, and they upped the ante from the first movie. More so that's, cowbell. That's, it was, it was. Now I, you can't compete with the first one, and I, I think that the first one probably deserves a Criterion release because it was so like monumental right in the history of filmmaking right yeah it was but epic. as far as like just pure enjoyment of a movie like i thought the second one took everything that it had to do from the first one on did everything it needed to do to make it just as much fun or more fun and also like i think you're it, able to they were able to do more and the climax was better than the first one where again like we talked about it was just you know dinosaurs fighting what people watched you know i think I think I dock at points because at the time I really rolled my eyes at the dinosaurs escaping the island. Like, uh, that was in two, wasn't it? They escaped the island? Yeah. Didn't they get to the mainland? Oh, yes. But that, but that's a direct nod. To, you can't fault that. That's a direct nod to King Kong. Like, they were just doing <laughs> And they, like, you got, his... you got to fault King Kong on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, like, the story from it is kind of, like, the the novel of Jurassic World is uh, of Jurassic Park the, is more like the Lost World, right? Like it's well, there's certainly like some, more there, scenes from the book in the Lost World. Yeah, there's there are pieces of that. I think that was part of the puzzle too. I was like, oh, this is where all this cool stuff from the the first from the book, right? Where it went, you know. Anyway, I, I'm you know, I you know, I, I'm not saying it's better. I'm saying I enjoyed it more. Well, we'll we'll grant you the ability to have your own opinion. I think that's uh, uh, that's okay one. on this show. Um, so I think we're we're through Jurassic World. We've got about uh, twelve minutes here to talk some summer TV uh, that I want to get into. You mentioned King Kong. I'll just say this: I think the dinosaur fight scene in King Kong is better than any dinosaur fight scene in this entire movie, in the entire new Jurassic Park. I think so too. And you know why? Chicken thigh. Because it's not the because <laughs> it's not the conflict. It's not the uh, uh, climax of the movie. That's right. That's right. That's exactly not, right. Our, our our movie's not hinged on it. It's just a yeah. set, cool set piece. And crap. But I, I would agree. And by the way, I mean the the modern Peter Jackson King Kong, but also even the original. <laughs> I would say I would agree. Both of those are yeah off, off the charts. All right. So during the summer, the TV season has moved from typical network television to seemingly being full of junk. What? TV. I don't agree with the that. The reason God created Netflix <laughs> so that you can have still have something good to watch. <laughs> I've been watching reruns on TV. That's yeah. fun too. There I I am still a fan of reality television. I know a lot of people have and when I say reality TV, I mean competition reality TV. I don't necessarily like the, you know, like the Kardashian watch, stuff or, you know, the celebrity stuff. Do you watch the Master Chef series? No, but I think I would like something like that. I like, you know, classics like Survivor and Amazing Race during the regular TV season. And then over the summer, you've got America's Got Talent, uh, American Ninja Warrior are ones that we invest in. And uh, So You Think You Can Dance usually happens over the summer as well. Dance, so dance, So dance. I, en <laughs> I enjoy those shows. Before we get into discussing, because I know, Danae, you watch a couple of those or have. Josh, do you watch any of this stuff? Um, I'm so everyone, I have limited, I will, I can actually name you the, the couple of shows that I watch and then I'll, and then that's probably all I can contribute to the whole conversation. Matlock and so, and <laughs> no, Murder, that's not she reality. Wrote. Those aren't real. Those aren't real. <laughs> um, I, I, I like comic book men, um, on AMC. Oh, nice. Um, but that's I don't like the the fake drama of it. I, whatever, like all the other shows, I just like looking at the artifacts. 
Um, that's the same way I felt about one I think is canceled called uh, Hollywood Treasures that used to be on. I don't even watch them enough to know if it's still on. It's just when it's on, I'll stop <laughs> on. Um, and then I do watch American Ninja Warrior, but I have a seven-year-old son, so it's something we can enjoy together. I think if you, um, I think if you have a, a boy in your house that is 12 or under, I think it's, I think it's required by law, actually, I that you watch right. American Ninja Warrior. I actually have him uh, signed up for uh, a camp, a Ninja Warrior camp. Um, in, oh, that's in a, cool. A few weeks. Yeah, I w- I, my mind was blown. Um, I watch. Um, I just watched on Netflix, actually, the season one of uh, um, The Quest, which is not just my favorite reality show, one of my favorite shows, period. That thing was a blast. So tell me about it. It is... It is part fantasy scripted story and part competition um, reality show. These characters are pulled out of our world and brought into Everworld, the Ever Realm, this other realm of magic and nonsense. It's amazing. And the whole world, they are surrounded by actors who are committed and playing this part. And they li- they're staying in this castle that's beautiful and everything is, is catered. To them, one of like they are there to save the kingdom, and one of them is going to be the one true hero. Wow. And it is a series. Uh, you can watch it on Netflix. It was a blast. But it's uh, it, the special effects or the makeup people were like the the people that were on the Lord of the Rings stuff. Like it is amazing. Now they they add some special effects for the viewer at home watching that the that the um, you know the competitors don't see, but they still like it is. It, it, it's like jousting competitions and um but also like um um a shoe a horsing shoes or no shoeing horses there we go horsing, horsing shoes. shoes you know where you take a horse and you put it on the shoe no um but my goodness like but 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 there's an actual narrative that they created a storyline that you're following episode by so they 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 finish a competition somebody gets eliminated and that's not the end of the show because they have whatever this weird teaser is for the next season. So the bad is... guy has broken the broken through the things, and you see these people are having these real reactions, even though they know it's fake. They're just so vested in it, and it's yeah. It, I mean, you're talking about a LARPing reality TV show. Basically, yes. That sounds amazing. That does sound amazing. I want to watch that. And I had no idea what it was. They they totally missed the missed the mark whenever they were pitching this thing initially, because I missed it the whole season. It's on. It was on ABC or maybe ABC Family or something. I don't know, but I missed the whole thing. And yeah, I've never even place. heard of it. It is a blast, and they're having a big campaign push right now to have a season two. But anyway, I'll shut up now. You guys should check it out. But I'll let you let you talk about. That's pretty much the extent of my reality TV. I'm gonna call it. We're going okay. over today. We're going over an hour? Yeah. <laughs> Why? You don't think you can talk about your TV in six minutes? Because. <laughs> that made me pout. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even have words. I just I I, immediately pouted. <laughs> I will officially turn off for the rest. So that, no, like, no, no, I will, no. I, will, I mean, my mouth. Not no, my, no, no, no. Not my Skype. It was just, it was just what happens whenever a Jurassic World comes out. Just the conversation had to be had. No, sure. We want to talk about a lot of fun stuff going on. So, so I'm just saying, like, we don't have to just do an hour. We can go over. You know why, Aaron? Why? Because we're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I played Iron Man's arm in Iron yeah. Man 3. I can do what I want. I can do what I want. 
Um, yeah. Well, I know we wanted to cover So You Think You Can Dance just a little bit because they're back for another season and they made some changes to the show. And so Aaron and I have both watched, I've watched the first two episodes. And one of the biggest changes is that they have consistent judges this year. And I find that to be very annoying. I, I hate it. I am not connecting I, to either of the judges at all, and I'm really bummed out by it. I, I hate that they decided to do something. It's obvious it's because some you know suit somewhere, maybe Nigel himself, because I know he produces the show, was like all these other reality competition shows have the same judging panel for the whole year, and they're always famous pop superstars, and we need to do that too. And it's just like, no, no you were great. You had people who knew what they were talking about. I, that's one of the things that I could, loved. I know, that could Shift in and out of the judging panel. It's lost me this year. I and don't think I'll watch this this season. I think I'm going to go ahead and check out early because it's very frustrating. Here, the other change is what's keeping me watching this season. I think the the change that they made to have two teams sections is really it's smart. Street versus. Um, Stage. Yes. So you've got all the contemporary dancing, you know, on the, stage. the ballroom, all that stuff is the stage team, the hip hop, you know, crumping. B-boys, crumping, all that stuff is the street uh, team. And what makes that amazing is no longer do you have these street dancers who are going to get eliminated because they can't learn, you know, the Nigerian ballroom. cha-cha, you know, right. or whatever. And you don't have stage dancers <laughs> who look, you know, weak trying to crump you know so i think that's genius because I do like it allows that. them to focus and there was one moment with a hip-hop dancer even in the tryouts already in these first two episodes where she was like the only reason i'm trying out is, is because because, because yeah. i know i can do this before i didn't try out because i knew i haven't been trained in ballroom and these other things and to be able to do those things and i just i think that was a really smart move unfortunately they paired it with the judging change which i i think is awful it's been in the to past... pick paula abdul i mean we haven't even mentioned that I, she wasn't even good on idol <laughs> like it's just like I, that just floors me but anyways go ahead in the past though so you think you can dance has changed their mind after a few episodes and getting feedback i remember a couple of seasons ago they had made a they had made a rule on how to vote and after a couple of episodes there was such a backlash about it when the show started live, Kat Dealey was like, we have decided to do something different. Who, by the way, is the other reason to watch this show. She's the She's best amazing. reality host on TV. Um, and so she kicked it over to Nigel, and he was like, we heard your feedback. We agree. We are going to change it up. So from now on, this is how we're going to do it. And it was even after an elimination. Mm-hmm. They're just like, this didn't work. This was not what you wanted. But they can't do that with this. Why not? Because how embarrassed, like, then you, it's personal at that point. It's personal for, who's the guy? Derulo? I don't Jason even, Derulo? It, it says something about me not being in culture. I have no <laughs> idea who that guy is. But it says it's personal to them. If Paula and, J- and they're like, oh, we're going to go back to having rotating judges, they'll be like, oh, because we were awful. I don't you know. know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. So that's one of the things going on on TV for the summer is So You Think You Can Dance. The other thing that keeps me tuned in, I mentioned Kat Dealey and I mentioned the other change, is I love dancing as a communicative art form. And no show on TV does it like this. Dancing with the Stars, because they're working with amateurs, uh, can't do it this well. But these trained dancers communicate emotion on that stage like, I don't get a chance to see anywhere else. That's true. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, and plus, once we get to the part where you're bringing in the choreographers, and then the choreographers are trying to tell a story, so you've got the music telling a story, and the choreographers are telling a story, and then the dancers are, you know, being the final point of, like, 
you know, carrying that message to the audience. That is really powerful. And there's been several moments watching So You Think You Can Dance over the past few years where I've just been in absolute awe of what I just saw. Absolutely. And I just don't know if I'm going to have it this year. I'm nervous about it because I'm, just gonna I'm fast forward so through the judging disconnected. Comments. I'm just going to fast forward through the judging comments and watch the That's performances. True. I guess we can do that on TV now, huh? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, I would highly recommend uh, the the dancing part of So You Think You Can Dance. I, I, am, I am proudly a guy who says this is a show that anybody can enjoy, male or female. You know, even if you've never been part of dancing culture, I think it's it's one you can enjoy. So I'm trying out a show on Lifetime called Smile. Okay. Have you seen this one, Josh? Mm, no. Okay. So. Um, but I do like the smile. So yes. So, okay. If Have you ever seen Intervention or Hoarders? Those shows on Lifetime. Yes. No, but I know of them. Okay. So it is basically like that format, but based on someone's story about why their teeth are horrid and then they give them a brand new like thirty fifty thousand dollar smile oh right. wow so it's like a plastic surgery show it's like a makeover show it is like a makeover show but what i was not expecting is that these individuals that they're kind of highlighting their personal story which is very much like intervention in a way where they're kind of going in it's talking a little bit about their lives why their teeth look the way that their teeth look mm -hmm. because some you know the t if you don't like mouth stuff like if teeth <laughs> freak you out or gross mouth like it is it's a little hard to watch sometimes You're like oh wow you know that um these people are so isolated and to learn about how they basically live their entire life every single day all day long trying not to show anybody their mouth and how oh, wow. and how depressing that is and how hard it is and how they don't have confidence in so many areas of their life yeah. because they can't they can't communicate the same way. So yeah. whether it's because of genetics or whether it's because like one of them was an, a case where the mom was just really neglectful and never showed them how to brush their teeth and they had to beg for toothbrushes and she wouldn't give them and the mom was, you know, just really negative towards the kids and so Here's this young girl in her 20s who has basically had her teeth rotting out of her mouth. And so she's, you know, given a, a new smile kind of a situation. But to see her panic as she's trying to go to the dentist, never having really been to the dentist, it's such a scary experience. Wow. So it's a really heart-driven story, and I just did not expect to be so pulled in. So if you kind of want to see one of those really awesome moments, um, there's this one particular uh, – like a commercial for it mm -hmm. where there's in every single person's the same way. It's just like, I can't move forward in my life because no one wants to hire me because of this, or I can't do this because they think that I'm a bad person or whatever, because of my mouth. And you're like, whatever. But then you watch and you're like, Oh my goodness, this is true. <laughs> and you take for granted that you can just smile and you have, you know, decent teeth or whatever. But this one guy, he goes to peel the paper off of the mirror to see his smile for the first time. That's like the big reveal on this show. And when he smiles, like he can't even lift his smile up. His cheeks are just quivering because he's never really smiled before. Like it's almost like he's using those muscles for the first time in so many years. He can't even. Wow. And it's just like such raw emotion and such relief that they're looking at a brand new person. I even if you, cool. Even if you just watch yeah. one show, I recommend it. So that's one of the ones that kind of caught my attention. And of course, I'm um, – well, I think that's one, I, you know, I know we've had conversations, the two of us, that's one that we can identify, obviously, on a smaller scale. You know, I have a gap in my, you know, 
top teeth. And I know you talk about, you know, your teeth as well being a kind of an insecurity spot. And so I think there is that that we all have where it's like the most important part of my being as far as visuals, like this is what people look at when they're talking to you. (laughs) You don't want to show people, you know, and when you see me in a picture, I grin. I don't usually smile. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the rare picture that has me in a full tooth smile because I'm, you know, insecure about that gap in the top, you know teeth so you know there is a little bit of the personal thing i think that attaches to that too. yeah you can definitely relate to each of the people but then like it's such an amplified version sure yeah like when you're watching lifetime and you're seeing things like hoarders or you're seeing things like you know intervention it's such an extreme story and this is another level of extreme story but i almost find these people way i can find them way more relatable than than you know, somebody who has a, a disorder or dis- a mental disease and is a hoarder versus or going through, you know, a chemical substance abuse situation. Those are in those things fascinate me because I I am very interested in like how people think and how they work through stuff. And I just I like to peek in on those lives and those types of shows. But this one this one's a little bit different because, you know, it's like a mom who has just a genetic thing. And yeah. So. That sounds very anyway. interesting. Anyway. Yeah, I, and I think even if you're not insecure about your teeth, like the, everybody has something. So that's right. a, a way that they can relate to the show, even if they're like, well, yeah. I love my smile, but I don't like my hips or my <laughs> my eyes or, you know, my hair. I'm going bald or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, not yeah. Not that it's the same, but you know it, what I mean? But everybody is, can relate. Even right. If yeah. Yep. Yeah, or somebody or somebody who has a lazy eye or, you know, just it's something that everybody t- tends to look at. And, you know, everybody who talks with you is wondering which I am supposed to look at. And yeah. you I know, was amazed or, at or how even if you're six foot five, people are like, oh, this freak of nature is like <laughs> a close up version of a real person. I'm glad that I'm glad that you went with a height that is shorter than me and still called it a freak, freak of nature. nature. So... I do too. I like that, too. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Hey. You're six. What are you? Six six? Yeah, I'm six six. Oh, uh, I'm six five. I was, I was actually referencing myself, but I now I see the air of my ways. The BDG said, if you're not insecure um, about your teeth, you will be after watching Smile. That's actually <laughs> it's it's true and also false in some ways. Like it's true because now you're hyper aware of your teeth, mm-hmm. but it's also like wow. It could be so much worse. Yeah, that's true as well. He did also mention, he asked if anybody's watching the show The Briefcase. Uh, either of you guys watching that? I'm not even sure what that is. Is that the one where it's a whole bunch of pretty, pretty ladies on a riser and they all are have briefcases no, in front of them? you're thinking of Deal or No Deal. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I There's briefcases in it. I'm- yeah. I'm going to Google search it real quick. Cause I, I That's fine. And BDG, you can put in the comments just a, a brief uh, summary of the show if you're interested in us checking it out. I will mention, you mentioned uh, Deal or No Deal, uh-huh. Howie Mandel hosted that show. Oh, yeah, He yeah, is yeah, also yeah. hosting my other favorite show of the summer, which is America's Got Talent. Uh, I just watched an episode of that for the very first time mm-hmm. ever. And I know you were annoyed by, by a very particular very part of the conversation <laughs> about Nick Cannon. And, uh, you know, his marriage and being single now and that bothered you how much they focused on that. Rightly so, by the way. I thought that episode was uh, over the top with that. But what I love about this show is it is the only place on television for quirky talents. And I love quirky talents. Like those things that people are amazing at, but they have no other outlet for. And there's so much of that stuff on that show that I just go, <laughs> yes, I ne- I wanted to see that. And I would have never had a chance to see that if not for this show. Suddenly, I remember seeing a clip from several years ago of a guy whose talent was to lay on his back 
and put his feet into like this little stage that he had uh-huh. made, like a tiny little stage uh-huh. just for his feet. And his little toes were the people that were making this. Sort of, like... <laughs> and that's why and... I don't watch that show. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, that's it. You're like, but yes, if you can survive. <laughs> if you can survive toe puppets, you can get to some really amazing stuff. Like it's, it's just one of the, like, a lot of the acts now are doing this thing. They're like interpretive dance mixed with, uh, you know, like um, visual arts, you know, so they'll have, like you the, know, the water and lasers and... or shadows or different kinds yeah. of things. Phenomenal stuff and that so much true. emotion. And you wouldn't be able to see that anywhere else. It's also the reason why when I watch America's Got Talent and they have just a straight singer on there that I get mad. Because it's like, like, go over to The Voice. Yeah, go, go to one of the 50,000, you know, vocal competition shows that are on TV and the internet. What You know, that's not what that show's about. And well, I... Go ahead, sorry. No, I just, I don't know if there's a way you can do that where you can say, you know, except for singing. <laughs> you know, show us your talent except for singing. But, I, you know, for me, it's just like, it belongs somewhere else. And so many of the winners have been singers because there's also an unfair advantage with singing in that you're communicating a story directly through one of the most powerful mediums we know, which is music. So the vocal cords. Yeah. So that, that makes it a little Josh? overweighted. Well, um, so I, I I remember watching a piece of the show one time, or maybe it was a clip or something. The audience seems really volatile on that show. So maybe you guys can talk about how the live audience plays into that show or some of those other shows even. They have continually on that show, season after season, downplayed the things I don't like about the show, and that is one of them. On the original, it was all about kind of the Coliseum atmosphere. Yeah. Where it was like, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, boo or yay. There's still a little bit of that, but they've really downplayed it. They've also downplayed... Um, a lot of the ridiculousness, uh, any of the ridiculousness that makes it on is seems to be at least more in the, the later um, seasons, more actual talent ridiculousness, um, although some of that still comes through. I mean, at the end of the day, they want to entertain, and some people do find that stuff entertaining. So Spartanite mentioned the guy who can regurgitate anything. Unbelievable. In our chat, he mentioned that. He or she, I apologize, I don't know. He, um, I think. He'll, well, maybe he'll let us know. <laughs> he, she. What that's when we Which tuned there are in. Many of those on America's Got Talent as well. <laughs> when we tuned into this episode, people like throw up stuff. Yeah, he <laughs> was regurgitating stuff, and my husband's like, "What are we watching?" And I was like, "Uh oh, it's this show." <laughs> 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 and then, and then the next guy had like little mini bombs in his mouth, and he was some sort of like um, mentalist. mentalist. Mm-hmm. And then it was like a 90-some-year-old singer. And, you know, so Justin's like getting his first experience with the show. And it's my first time watching it, watching it. Mm-hmm. And um, there were parts of it that I liked. And I was like, yeah, I can see this. I love Howie Mandel. Howie Mandel is great. He's fun. He's a genuinely funny dude. And I think he's but really smart. As you mentioned, in the one episode that I'm judging off of, which mm-hmm. I know is a terrible thing to do, um, there was just such a hyper-focus on Nick Cannon. And it just... It turned that that was like, man. Like, well, because they were making light of him being single again when every we, single act that came on, you know, it was mentioned like, well, he's single now. He's single now. So I was just like, can we please stop? But of course, I had the ultimate power and I just turned it off. So <laughs> it does work. <laughs> yeah. No. Can I can I just go back to the guy regurgitating things? It's not just uh-huh. that he would swallow things and then regurgitate them. He would swallow several things and then you could tell him what order to regurgitate them in. He would swallow, he would swallow powder, sugar, and water, and then could regurgitate dry sugar. 
Like he has a stomach that has sections or something, and he knows how to control those sections. I do not believe it's a magic trick. Okay, I think okay, he's okay, genuinely okay, a freak of okay, nature. Okay, okay, let's talk about this. Please. This needs to be something <laughs> where we add on an x-ray machine. Yes. Or an MRI machine even better. Yes. And he does this but, act while standing but, in an MRI machine. But if it is a magic act or an illusion, does that make it any less no. interesting? No, not to me. Not to See, me. this goes back to, I, I think, since the dawning of man... We've had this. I say that like I've been around since then, but I do know like. But it goes back to like the circus freak shows, right? Like where people would pay the money to to see something they didn't understand or that yes, that, you know that weird titillation of this is the unnatural. It's the same reason you know that I. It's the same reason I love science fiction movies, honestly, you know. Um, but there is something like there's something about that that just appeals to the like the base. I'm not saying. I'm not trying to belittle no, the audience. You're it, right. It's something that appeals to the base uh, human the urge shock. or something, right? <laughs> it's it was it was shocking and it's perplexing and it's something that's happening in front of your eyes and it's a disbelief and belief at the same time. Yeah. I think it has to be real because that guy was missing his two front teeth for a reason. <laughs> He didn't have two front teeth. And next we'll see him on Smile. Did he? You're right. <laughs> nice segue. All right. Really? Woo! Woo! Um, so I did want to talk about, too, like something else entirely. So when we wrap up with TV, sure, like, just let me know. Absolutely. We'll wrap up with this. The BDG explained the briefcase, and I do remember seeing this promo. It looks amazing. Uh, it's a briefcase full of money. There's $100,000, and a family in need gets it with no strings attached, but they have to decide if they keep all of it some of it oh, or none yeah. of it and whether they yeah. don't keep and whatever they don't keep goes to another family in need so um detractors are saying that the show takes advantage of the poor by forcing its financially challenged contestants to make a very stressful decision and it pits poor families against each other mm. so it's like it's like an updated version of bum fight or something or a, yeah. a televised version or something i, I mean, say that I, that's that's belittling i don't mean no, 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 but I know what you mean. There is something kind of Hunger Games ish about it. Because you're taking people that are already poor and already, you know, having such a difficult time, and you're not just blessing them and seeing what happens. Like, I think a show would be really fantastic if it was like, what do they do with the money? And you follow that money for a while and you see what they choose to do with it. If they choose to pay off a, a huge debt, then follow the relief that the family feels that they're able to then start living their lives differently because they don't have this debt over their head. Because I think you would quickly see that money isn't always the solution, too. No. Like, you would see that, you know... But here they're making it even more of a problem. Right. You know, so, yeah, I, it's interesting. That I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm glad that I kind of picked over to that article because that's definitely one that I think would make me really emotional. I think I yeah. get angry watching that one. So yeah. that actually brings me to a point. One of the reasons I don't watch reality TV is I, as I used to watch... Um, um, extreme home makeover? No. Yeah. Uh, the, is that the one where they bake, buy somebody a new house? Or yeah, make yeah. Them a new yep. house? Um, and I always, I, I had a bad feeling about it. I couldn't figure out what it was, and it just kind of hit me. It's this, um, tele, um, and this is going to get really, it's going to sound preachy, and I don't mean this because I think everybody's got their own journey, but for, for me it was, um, if you're going to do a good deed for somebody, like the left hand should know what the right hand's doing, right? Like, it it's a biblical like this biblical biblical principle of you don't you don't make a big spectacle out of doing something nice for somebody you do it in 
secret. That's where the true beauty of it comes. So to create a show about, look how great we're helping these people in need. Da, 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 da. So it's like, it's great that they are helping the people in need. Although later he found out it's debatable in some of the way the houses were put together or whatever. But it's on the other side, it's this showcase of look how great we are. So this briefcase show is like that only without the with even less of the look how great we are. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, but you're right, though, because look how great we are and look how terrible these people might be. Here's you the know. thing about the, that particular show, just kind of hitting on that just real fast here. One of the things is giving the family more than they needed. And then the repercussions of having that. So many of the families reported that later on, they had such a big home to take care of and that they couldn't afford to yeah. the upkeep any longer. Well, many of them ended up with more, more taxes. More debt and more taxes. More taxes than they even had in rent payments because before they had the a new house. the house was so yeah. worth so much all of a sudden. And so that was a problem. But so, and the other thing that, I, well, okay, one more thing I kind of found grumpy about that I got a little grumpy about on that particular show is that it just kept getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Right. They didn't know when to stop. It's like they had an interview with a two-year-old and the two-year-old says, popsicle. And then like their whole room is all popsicles. Like they didn't know where to like draw the line on giving <laughs> or, you know, an eight-year-old that likes Mommy, X why stuff. is it so cold in here? Yeah. And so they would give the kids, they would take it to the extreme. You know, it's like, oh, okay, we're going to give you everything that you, she mentioned she liked this one thing. It's like, you're really taking the dynamics of a person. And so I didn't like that. That kind of, that got worse and worse as the seasons went on. Or but, better and better if you loved that stuff. Like, right. you, you have to remember that there is a portion of the audience that that's why they tuned in. It's well, to sure, see the, the extravagant homes. But, the, like, but that's the thing is, like, <clears throat> it changed from being audience driven. Like, it should be about the people, not the audience. But right. I, and, and you can still sell a show like that without compromising it's hard. a family. It's it difficult. Is hard. They're competing, you know, purposes. I understand that completely. Yeah. But that was one of the things that bothered me. But then they did do something that was pretty amazing. Uh, I live in the Ozarks in Missouri. And uh, several years ago, there was a horrible tornado that came through a city called Joplin. And it made national news because it was so devastating and everything. They did an episode where they remade a street. And they did multiple houses on this particular street. Wow. And it was this big, you know, this big thing to get these families, you know, kind of like to rebuild it and sort of yeah. try to like just and that was kind of a neat thing to go in. If they could have, instead of giving just like five or six families massive houses, you know, more than they need, if they could have dialed that down and, you know, maybe made some more functional homes for multiple people. But then again, you're trying to build they houses tell in, you, in multiple days. They will so. tell you that that show would be boring to the audience and therefore wouldn't have the promotional support to be able to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's really interesting. I agree with so much of what you guys are saying. And at the same time, I have this feeling inside of me like I think their heart was in the right place. And I think they were trying to do good. And I think what happens when we pick away at people trying to do good yeah. is that it makes it less incentive to try something. You know, try yeah. something where you're helping people. Sure. And um, of all of I'll the, say, I'll, go ahead. Of all the shows, the reality TV shows out there, though, I think that one is one of my favorites because you you know you're watching them have such help. My favorite one of all time was one of the very like very very beginning of the show. When or, or if they did this for any of the families who had like a special needs person in the home that they're going to be taking care of for like the rest of their lives and they would help to make a home that would also allow that special needs person 
to function, whether they were in a wheelchair or, mm-hmm. you know, like there were certain things. One of them, they made like a little apartment for someone who was going to have to stay with a family for the rest of his life, but he still wanted to have some independence. So they made, you know, a little living space for him to where he could grow into an adult and still have a functioning apartment. I think that I, that's the kind of stuff I just loved. So I, I really did love that show. I don't mean to pick it apart, but you're right, Aaron, you know, the discouragement you want, that yeah, comes you with scrutiny. Keep, you want to keep the incentive to yeah. trying things that are helping people. I mean, it's certainly helping people more than, you know, Keeping Up with the Kardashians or even sure, Survivor sure. or The Amazing Race. But mm-hmm. they're fun shows to watch. So, you know, <laughs> even though they're, 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 are are, they're cross-purposes, Survivor's amazing. I know we're not talking about because it it's not on during the summer, but I people have who have drifted away from Survivor, go back. It is incredible the drama on Don't that show and how real it is. Right okay, now, I, I, I want to stay on track. I just I have to preach about Survivor. So good. Um so anyways, I also think it's incredible how Extreme Home Makeover has had such an impact on culture that my son, who, you know, was probably 7 when that show went off the air, the other day I was reorganizing his uh diabetes supplies cuz he has type 1 uh diabetes. And I went to open the the cupboard to show him his new kind of organization of his supplies. And he goes, move that bus. And I opened nice. it and he collapsed to the ground in tears. And he was like, I can't believe it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Made me laugh so much. That's my that's my 16-year-old. Nice. So, all right. Well, uh, don't get me wrong. That show made, it made me cry consistently. Oh, yeah. That was the other thing about that show. And I liked, I, you know, the only thing that gave it away, I just, yeah, whatever, I'm not going to tell you more. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're you're right. Like, good for them. But I, you started to see, after a while, you just started to see through it in the people. Yeah. And it's like, yay, we're doing, getting our paycheck. But yeah. we're doing good things to I get think, our paycheck. You I know, think that's, he, you could see through the, the, it was just easier and easier to, to, to see through the sure. the cracks, you know, as it went on. And I think what I like to say is, yay for. The manipulation was stronger. Yes. I think what I like to say is, yay for doing good. Let's always strive to do better. You know, there you go. And and that's that's the case with television and, and everything we do in our lives as humans. You know, ulterior motives are a part of our psychology because we're human. And you know, that's that's something we all. have I to have fight an through. ulterior motive to talk about this comic that I like, but you know, guys, it's like one twenty one. I have been waiting. Go ahead and All mention right. your. Well, before we move on, I did want to say, oh. check out our Mixler chat if you want to see. Um, there's a link to the BDG's initial thoughts on the show, The Briefcase. So if you Ooh. want to look a little bit deeper, there is a link in the comments on our Mixler page. If you're listening on the podcast, those comments stay in Mixler chat. In Mixler chat on the Mixler.com/slash/shoe-the-dough-live page. So mm-hmm. quick links at our website. So talk about Gunner Craig, and I then just, we'll finish okay, with that. Okay. 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 I'm not going to talk about this for long, but I love this particular comic called mm-hmm. Gunner Craig Court. Yes. and So much so that you made me read the first chapter. Right now, there are some really cool reveals that are about to happen, and I can hardly stand it. This is when any kind of comic series or like Do they a involve George's series? hand? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, actually. I don't know. But like, so- when you're reading a story and then you have a cliffhanger and you have to wait for the next, you know, whatever to come out, it's always frustrating. Mm-hmm. The world of web comics is like this. And Gunner Creek is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So every, you know, couple of days throughout the work week, I can go and check in on the story and see how it's progressing. And I have been reading Gunner Craig for six years. Wow. 
every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it's like there's, and there's I always love it. This is one of the, my favorite comics ever. But um, right now there's like this crazy fun reveal. It's, it's going to happen. Like this big mystery is it's got to be revealed. And the question is, right? Like you're going to let us know what happened, right? Because there's. <laughs> it's like the season finale of Lost, the uh, series finale. You're like, you are going to answer everything. I'm so curious about it. But I wanted to mention it to our Sif Pop fans because if you like reading comics, you like reading web comics, I read tons of them. I like have a spreadsheet of 80 different ones, but I can't keep up with all of them as much as I used to try. Um, Gunner Craig continues to be one that I hit every single uh, every single week for six years in a row now. So anyhow. having read the first chapter, it uh, the story work in it was really good. So it doesn't surprise me that you've you know that they continue to do good story work. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what it all is. Comics, TV, movies, it's all about telling a good story and getting invested in the characters and what they're going through. So the website so I, I have it pulled up. Yeah. So it has a panel uh, like up. So you gotta go backwards or forwards to get to the, go backwards to get to the beginning of it and Yes. Yeah, so at the uh, if it's a gunnercrig.com, G U N N E R K R I G G dot com. And if you scroll down to the bottom, there's two double arrows. It'll take you all the way back to the beginning, or you can click on archive. Oh, really? And then he has them all set up in their archives. Um, the other fun thing about following a comic for this many years is to see how the artist has progressed. You go back, you know, in time to the beginning of when he started the series. Because I didn't start at the very beginning. And it's like stick figures. You know, one color. (laughs) There's a web. There's a web comic called Questionable Content. Well, that doesn't sound appropriate. Be careful when you actually do this (laughs) one. Questionable to me. (laughs) It says, "Do not go to questionablecontent.com. That is not the right website. (laughs) It is not that. I highly recommend Google searching it first and then going to the web comic. It is one of the most. Just Google search questionable content, (laughs) right along with not safe for work. Just those two together. I'm telling you, like, why did you have to pick that title? Like, did he know when he started that comic so probably, many years ago probably. that it was going to be such a big deal? It's like Googling the nether region, really. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another perfect example, though, questionable content that that particular and that's a mon- that's a Monday through Friday. He releases a new one every single day, Monday through mm-hmm. Friday. If you go back to the beginning of when he started, it is like it really is like stick figures compared to what he's doing now. You've really been able to see this guy develop all these characters. That in is kind of cool. Style. That is kind of cool. So yeah, the the style of this is really fun. Um, it's sci-fi. So, um, but it, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't yeah, know how to It's more kind of fantasy, isn't it? Than it's sci-fi? Sci-fi fantasy. It's like a mixture. You're talking about Gunner Craig? Gunner yeah. Craig, yeah. Going back to Gunner Craig. So anyhow, if you It's got like, a Harry Potter feel to it a little bit, too. Maybe a little bit, yeah. The I mean, first chapter did, at least. Because it's a. it starts off with following a girl's story as she's kind of growing up, going to this very mysterious school. And as you're kind of being exposed to her world, you're starting to realize just how much of a fantasy kind of world it is because there's talking ghosts and strange creatures and things like that. So it starts off really interestingly, but then again, the story and the way he can um, tell a story, This the artist um, on this one, his name is Tom. He is so good at telling a story. There's, there's several times whenever he'll just, it'll just be like one panel and there's so much emotion and it's just a simple drawing. He's really good. I think it's, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. I think it's Seidel or Sidel. But anyhow, I really wanted to recommend that one because I've good. had several you got people a to. talking Glad about you got a chance to. wanting to have like a fun read. And that's just something that you can do like at your desk, you know, just to kind of peek in on a storyline that's continuing. Cool. 
I have. It only took us an hour and a half to get there. I am so so thankful that we. I do have a quick question about it. Is there is there a a source that has a a different web comics? Like the, it's like here's the top web comics to check out. Like, or do I? Do you just need to send me a list of your own? Is that what the best thing? There are actually websites where um, you can rank them. Like the the community rank that ranks them. Topwebcomics.com is an example. Okay. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, and there's a lot of them that are in different genres. So um, you know, there's venture, drama, fantasy, gaming, humor, sci-fi. Um, just to kind of throw some out there. And, gotcha. and those are uh, voted on by the comic community and anyone who creates a um, like a, a profile for that particular website, you can kind of go in and vote. And so there'll be different ones that'll be battling out in the top. I mean, it used to be like there was this um, there was this one particular comic that used to always be in the top, but then he's actually finished his storyline. That was crazy because he used to release it Monday through Friday. And then the story ended after I think he I think he wrote that one for 17 years. Wow. It was, I mean, it was crazy. There's so, it's a really fun community, but the waters are deep and not all of them update regularly. So, you know, I have this comprehensive list and I'd be happy to share it with you if you, if you want me to, but anyhow. All right. So who's, so who's the geek now? (laughs) See, the girl is both critic and geek. (laughs) If, 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 uh, if the name becomes the geek, one of us has got to be the girl, Josh. So, you know. Well, I'll get you guys some high heels. (laughs) Perfect. Only for when I'm running from dinosaurs. Oh, guys, this has been so fun. I think, have we kind of reached sort of the end? Is it it time? I mean, like, we could keep going, but this is the longest podcast we've done. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we can, let's let's close it out. Go ahead and play the... uh, Play the music. Well, before before that, let's make sure... Hey, Josh, will you once again let the audience know how they can hit you up for those who are listening? Um, uh, you can... Uh, 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 yeah. Twitter. On, uh, Twitter, yep. You got the, the nether underscore... Uh, line, what was that? The underscore line region at, at uh, nether underscore region. Is that right? <laughs> or it's at, your Twitter, man. Or at Josh W. Childs. Um, that's, those are both of my, my Twitters. Um, and also we got uh, at Jeff Durham show. Awesome. So. Yeah, and I'd highly encourage you to check all that stuff out. Thanks again for joining us, man. We appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll hit the close music. Aww. Thank you as well for hanging out with Shoe the Dough for an extra half hour today. On yeah, this... we went long today. You know what? It's the debut edition of Sift Pop. Sift Pop. So, you know... We just grant us that extra. Our fans 50%. said we want you to go another day every week, and we said not only will we go an extra hour, <laughs> we'll go an extra hour in twenty nine minutes. Uh, thank you for making this an incredibly um, uh, humbling experience for us to see you support at three dollars a month or ten dollars a month or whatever to have a monthly little amount come out of your bank account and into our creative space is really humbling and thank you so much for doing that as more people do that we'll keep doing more shows them you know we'll have the resources to We've be able to plan. do this to do this even more so thank you again for that again if you want to look it up it's patreon.com slash aaron and danae and also please go to itunes and subscribe to shoe the dough and when you subscribe go ahead and like rate us and yeah. comment on it while you're there so that other people kind of know what's going on. That would be really helpful. It's shoe the dough, live or later. 
<laughs> the Shoe the Dough Patio Show. Not we with can't Aaron call and it Danae. a patio show. <laughs> How well, many times half podcast, half radio. No. It's patio. Uh. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you uh, next week. We should mention before we go. Next oh, week we are important. on vacation. So we will be playing archive episodes. We're going to play a No Longer Safe episode on Tuesday. Yep. And, and then on Friday, we're going to play our original Sift Pop episode. Yeah, where we talked about the Avengers, the first Avengers with uh, Jeremy Scott, who is now um, part of CinemaSins. So we'll be missing you on Mixler next week, but your podcast feed will still have episodes in it for you. And of course, we'll be back in a couple, like, a couple weeks. All right. Check it in. Thanks. Bye. Yay! He learned to pitch in your backyard. Now his team's coming over to celebrate their high school championship. So you need to patch those bare spots fast. Pennington One Step Complete has a revolutionary formula that repairs bare spots in only two weeks or less. Pennington's been trusted since 1945, and now it works even faster. One Step Complete from Pennington. Honest Green. Get your lawn ready for any occasion. One Step Complete is available at The Home Depot. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.